Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about likability in the workplace and how it's a setup for women. Can't win for losing. Cannot win for losing. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Karina Hoyer. And we are so glad to have you with us today. As you know, we're talking about women and work. We want your workplaces to have ease, meaning, and joy. And as I always say, when I say ease, I don't mean easy. I just mean we don't bang our heads against the wall. Although, frankly, this likability topic is a tricky wicket, friend. It's total headbanger. (laughs) Hey, but before we get there, your energy is great today. We are heading into the new year, and you're just like all full of like your new year juju. I'm loving it. I start the new year fresh every year like an infant. No, I thank you. (laughs) Just start from ground zero. No, thanks for that. In fact, somebody, I was at a party last night and someone said something very similar to me, which was a very kind and generous thing to do. I love that. I love it when other women feel motivated and emboldened to shower us with praise. And this woman was willing to do that for me. And you just did it again. I'm just going to ride high on. Ride high on it, sister. It's two things. I mean, I do think, I mean, I feel like I know you really well. Did the person who said this to you know you really well? Yeah, she knows me pretty well, too. I just think sometimes when we're paying attention to each other and we can say, wow, there's something great going on with you and then have the generosity of spirit to say it. Yeah. Thanks to you and to that other woman, Erica, in fact, is her name, uh, who said it to you me You are last so night. welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. But can we talk about this Do you subject? like me for saying that? I like you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about likability. Likeability. Oh, my my God, I didn't know what a rat's nest this was going to be until we started get digging into it. Did you? You know what? I kind of, that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about it because I'm like, it is just a rich, rich place to have discussions about women and gender bias and other kinds of bias, both implicit and explicit in the workplace. And I read this great book by Alicia Mendez, and she says something about likability that I really like. Okay, you're kicking us off. You're kicking it off with a quote. Kicking it off with a quote, because you know I like to dive right into the expert. Likeability is a mask for conscious and unconscious bias. It is a tool that we use to gain some kind of social capital, but I'm going to challenge it's not power or control. It's just trying to gain some kind of capital. And I think the reason that this is like a can't win for losing situation is because likability is about the expectation of the patriarchy on how we behave. What do other people expect of our behaviors and our desire to meet those expectations, which are an ever-shifting sand, right? You never... I mean, it's somebody's opinion. They can change their mind if they haven't had a good breakfast. So you just can't. It's not something you can be certain of, ever shifting sands. Right. And it's interesting because likability is something that's not necessarily defined by us. Right. Like what makes women likable mm-hmm. at work mm-hmm. is not has not necessarily been defined by women. No, it's been defined by society. And as you know, I would argue that that society is largely the patriarchy. Right. Exactly. And it places value on certain traits that put keep women in in their place or in a place that, frankly, I don't want to live in. Right. I don't want I don't live in yeah. that place. Yeah. When I referenced at the beginning of the show which was just a couple of minutes ago, hopefully. Just a second ago. 
What? Tell me again. I know. It's a rat's nest. I, what I meant by that, there are so many layers mm-hmm. of likability. And I know that I said to you initially, so what's wrong with being likable? It's like, don't right. we all want to? Who doesn't want to be well, liked? Right. Exactly. Yes. That's not the heart of the issue. It's not that we want you to be unlikable. We want everybody to just go around just being disliked by everyone. But the heart of the issue is after, you know, reading and reading and reading, I'm realizing the heart of the issue isn't not whether we're liked or not. It's who's telling you what traits should be likable, make you likable Mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. So it is interesting. It's interesting to dig into. And it's different for men and women. Very different. And before we start, you know, sometimes I wait for the punchline till the end. But I want to lay out kind of you after you and I talking and reading and talking to people and doing our work, I think there is an approach to managing the treachery of likability. So I'm going to lay out that like, this is the answer, the final story, this is the end where we're going to get to just for you all to think about as we go through today's show. Lay it on me. Again. I'm laying it on you. So I think Karina and I want to posit that the response to this likability conundrum is threefold, self-awareness, authenticity, and relatability. So I'm going to try and hold on to those things for the next 30 minutes or so Yeah, as we talk about this. So the alternative to likable mm-hmm. is not unlikable. Right. You're saying the alternative, the thing that we're trying to get to that's not likable is instead self-aware, authentic, and relatable. Yes. As That's opposed to running around trying to be liked by people, I think that the approach is to be really self-aware, which is what we talk about like every stinking show, right? Self-aware, mindfulness, all that stuff. But then being authentic and relatable to others, which is just about being human. So we're going to talk more about that later. But let's talk about the tough part of likability for women. Have you ever felt the pressure to be likable? Oh, Every day, every day I feel the pressure to be likable. And don't forget, I live in a female-focused workplace. And so even surrounded by women, you feel the pressure to be likable. Oh, absolutely. And do you feel like you get to define what likable is? Absolutely not. I feel like there are places in my, what I would call my workspace with just my colleagues where I certainly do. That I feel absolutely. But if I branch out to clients, yes, there's a lot of clients that I get to define what likable is, and so do they. But I also have experiences, I would say, almost every day where I don't. Where it's not up to you, it's yes. up to someone else. Mm-hmm. And you're bending, you're doing the calisthenics to get, well, I guess it's not calisthenics. <laughs> <laughs> Contortion. No, I'm not doing, you're doing the- <laughs> and I'm certainly not contorting. But it does. No, there are opportunities every day for me to lapse into likableness. And I don't, I sometimes I do and sometimes I don't do it. But yes, opportunities every day. Interesting. Okay. So how does that feel? It feels inauthentic. It's hard work. It's time consuming. It takes my energy away from where my real work should be. And what it bugs me is I'm buying into continuing to foster the stereotypes, continuing to foster the expectations of likability. These are based on gender norms that you may not feel are inherent to your personality. Right. And yet you're trying to kind of put on that mask or assume those traits to make you more likable and acceptable to whatever I believe someone's criteria are. And it's typically that I am, as a female, you know, kind, soft, nurturing, caretaking, giving, 
warm, sweet, although people who know you're going to be like, I don't think that one fits you, Kirsten. <laughs> but, you know, relationally focused, consensus builder. Right. Right. And I, you know, I have to come back to that first thing I just said. What's wrong with those things? Like, what's wrong with all of those? They're all great. They're all lovely and yep. wonderful. They're wonderful if that's who you are. Yeah, if that's who you feel authentically. And also, I'm going to say my family may disagree, but I am a lot of those things to my, may disagree. to my family and my friends. But at work, the my number one trait, the person I want to be at work isn't necessarily soft, nurturing, caregiving, and warm. This is another place, Karina, where you and I, I think, have different experiences because I feel a whole lot more pressure to be those things in the workplace with clients and even people I work with sometimes. And I think you always are, you know, blessed with this ability to kind of cut yourself loose from some of those expectations. Yeah, perhaps. So like, I want to be that way authentically with my family, but I don't necessarily want to be nurturing or caregiving, giving as much with clients or coworkers, etc. Because I think that who I am authentically as a worker is assertive and directive and decisive mm-hmm. and, and etc. And so I think, again, back to that, what's the difference trying to tease this out, I want women to know we're not saying there's anything bad or good about any one trait that you may have in you know, who you are, define who you are. So let me ask this question about the flip side, which is where I think you're going. Have you ever been characterized as too aggressive? Oh, absolutely. Too short. Yes. You know, too directive. Yes. A ball buster. Yes. A battle axe. Ice queen. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, I think, where Krina and I, we agree. We're blanching at that. We're saying, no, you don't get to say because the woman is aggressive and strong that she is too aggressive, that she's a battle axe. That she's unlikable. Mm -hmm. And so all of these traits are fine. The problem is who's defining them Mm -hmm. and where you're expected to display them Mm -hmm. and how you're judged if you don't. Mm -hmm. Right? That's the big issue. That's really beautifully. That's really well said, Krina. That's a really good way to kind of (laughs) cull that little bit down. Well, I think because it is a little confusing, you know, like, well, wait a minute. I like this part of myself. Why can't I be this way at work? You can't. It's just up to you. It's not up to others, right? But there's this other piece of it, which we, I hope we're not skipping around here, but I feel like this is flowing. There's this other piece of it, which is that you said in the beginning, it's authentic and relatable. And what was the third thing that you self-aware. were self-aware? Mm-hmm. That's what we're shooting for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can be strong and assertive and decisive, but not an asshole, mm-hmm. then that's also a beautiful thing. Uh, for a woman to be. Yes. So anyway. But I think that there is pressure to meet expectations and to conduct yourself in a certain way in the workplace, right? Sure. And there are some big problems with showing up at work uh, and having to perform that way. And I talked a little bit about them when you said, how does it make me feel when I do that at work? But I think when we look at it more systemically, It's difficult to be meeting external values all the time, right? There has to be some internal value. Your identity cannot rely on external values. Your identity has to be driven by also internal values. And maybe primarily, we talked about this, is that when you get into this likability trap, you are always bending to somebody else's expectations. And you don't know who that person might be at any given time or how they might feel. Right. Right. Precisely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The power is in someone else's hands or society's hands or the patriarchy's hands. If they get to define it, they also get to change change it. it. 
Jinx. Change it. You know how you do that, Jinx. Yeah, we said the same thing at the same time. So, yes. So I also just want to stop for a moment. And I read something several times when I was doing research for this episode, which was likability is about white women. White women are most concerned with likability. And it's interesting, but I think that sometimes we experience the implicit bias or the expectations on how we need to behave in the workplace as this need to be likable. And the assumption is, is that we can modify our behavior to fit those expectations. And I think that we, in many cases, can. White women? Mm Mm-hmm. White women can. I think me as a white woman have very much and can modify who I am in the workplace to easily fit in with stereotypes and expectations. Uh And as I was doing some more work around this, I realized, wow, you know, women of color experience the same biases, the same implicit and explicit conscious and unconscious biases more directly and intensely, Mm -hmm. less easy to quote fit in. So this idea of what does society expect you to behave? How does society expect you to behave? You know, I love tennis. I was watching tennis this weekend. I'm watching tennis because, you know, I love it. And I'm watching Taylor Fritz throw his racket. He is this, you know, good tennis player. He's probably in his mid-20s. He's white. He's very tall. And I get the impression that he is from a family of a lot of privilege. Nobody cares if he throws his tennis racket. Serena Williams throws her tennis racket and people are like, she's so angry. Oh, she's yeah. not a very good sport. Yes, all over right? Yes. And so that's kind of what I mean by this, right? She has much less leeway to behave in the same way he gets to behave as a man. Right. And Makes but, me nuts. But you were also saying she has less leeway than you and I do. Yes, she does, for sure. Yeah. And also, you said something else, and I I, I don't want to gloss over it, and that is, not, it's not even necessarily about leeway, but that white women have a, are more able to blend yes, in. Can you talk are. just about that for just a sec? Well, I think that is all we have to do is modify our behavior to be likable, right? We don't have to worry about, you know, we can be It's easier to modulate being seen as an angry white woman than it is to be seen as an angry black woman. Right. Because people make all these assumptions, right? Yeah. And I think what ends up happening is, is that the workplace is structured in a way that, and this is from, this is a woman, Joan Williams, she wrote this great article on the problem with likability for the New York Times earlier this year, or earlier, later last year, I think, in August of 2019. And she says the workplace is often structured in ways that reward behavior that is socially appropriate in white men, Taylor Fritz in your tennis racket, but socially inappropriate for women and women of color. And what this does is it provides an invisible escalator for white men. That's right. So I just wanted to just take this moment to dig into that piece a little bit because it's, it just makes me grieve. It just is so hard, painful, right? That that's the way it is. Yeah, it is. I was pausing just kind of almost like a moment of silence there for the whole goddamn thing. Right. Because Bullshit. I feel like everything we talk about comes back to comes this in some way, shape, or form. Back to this in yeah. way, shape, or form. That it's hard. It's hard. That we're battling a system that we perpetuate mm-hmm. in many ways as white women mm-hmm. or women, period. Mm-hmm. And it's deck is stacked. The solutions or the, you know, the antidote to what's happening is sometimes unclear. It's hard to navigate. But we still have to deal with it, right? Yeah. We still have this issue of likability. That's right. And so the problem with being likable that, you know, we kind of wrote a little bit of a list and I want to make sure that we covered all of it before we move on. 
one of the bigger problems, which you already said, is that, you know, it sets us up for meeting external mm-hmm. values. Mm-hmm. We don't get to define this. We're trying to contort ourselves into some form so that others like us, mm-hmm. mostly defined by the patriarchy. It puts us in a position of sacrificing ourselves and who we are. It's misdirected energy, frequently hard to attain for some. I raise my hand high. And it's frequently perpetuated by other women. And I think that's the other piece. I can't tell you how many times I've been in situations where I actually judge women, whether I like them or not, when I really should be just looking at their competency, their their skills, their ability. And I think that's, again, part of why this is such a difficult subject is because it's there's so much of this wrapped up in like who we are and how we present and Mm -hmm. what we value. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also started talking about whether or not we each individually, you know, struggled with likability or not. And I maintained when we started this researching for the show that just didn't focus on it very much. Like I almost was tone deaf to likability for a long time. (laughs) It's funny the picture I painted of myself on these podcasts. Well, seriously, there's this, there is, there is a way, Karina, I said it before, where you're a little bit freer from these things for whatever reason, which we'll dig into later. But yeah, talk about your own experience with likability. Well, I was a little tone deaf to likability. And then it struck me maybe mid 20s or 30s. You know, I just operated in the world as though, of course, I am likable, which is something it's a powerful thing. You I, want, are. I want every woman to feel that. Right. And who which I, is true. Yeah. Who I am at the very core, mm-hmm. of course, is likable. And then I realized, oh, no. And in fact, I need to modify. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> what? Not everybody likes me. What I realized is I needed to modify my behavior to be more relatable. So not necessarily bend over backwards to be the kind, gentle, you know, office mom, but rather figure out how to couch the things that I felt or the things that I wanted to say in a way that you could hear them a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but then digging a little... Which is great because you've just done this. Okay, I was self-aware about people's experience of me. I don't want to change who I am because this is who I am. Right. But how can I be relatable to folks? Right. Yeah. How can I relate to you and not, you know, completely shut, slam the door in, in a In a way that gets the work done. Yeah. In a way how can we relate, build connection, trust, integrity, all of those things? How can we relate in a way we can get our work done? Yeah. But I will say, in upon further reflection, I realized that two things um, happened for me. I focused on trying to channel those traditionally female likable traits mm-hmm consistently in two situations or in one situation a situations that had two things in common Jeez, took me a while to get that one out in situations where the power dynamic was skewed mm-hmm. where i was not the one with the power in the room and when the stakes were high and when those two conditions were present you fell back on likability i fall back on likability. i still do probably interesting where i want to make I sure think, yeah in thinking about this Um, And recognizing that the stakes are higher for women of color or women with disabilities, you know, women who are not cisgendered and who may also be in situations where the stakes are high and the power dynamic. Which could be like every single day. That that may be the the coping mechanism that you have grabbed onto. And I don't want to tell you to stop doing it. That's the other thing that's a struggle in this episode. It's like, I don't want to take that away from someone. If you doing these contortions to be more likable and slightly inauthentic is helping you put food on the table, 
You have to do, yeah. Or maintain a job. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's so rigged about this system. Right. It's like, well, I can't ask you to push back on something and be your authentic self and run the risk of losing your job. Or can we? Do you know what I mean? I think it's a process. I don't think we. it's either yes or no. I think it's just we have to find more ways to be our authentic self and to push back on that. So, but I want to, so what is this, before we leave this, what is the situation where you rely on likability, Karina? When you say the power dynamic is diff- is it, not- Yeah, it's skewed. Like what is an example of that? Stakes are high. Oh, well, I think in my former job when I would have to, when I would be asking people for money. So as a nonprofit, we ask for donations a lot, right? Yeah. And I would sit across the table from someone I didn't know very well and be asking them to invest in the organization. And I would feel things about who I was being that was totally inauthentic and not me. But you know what I mean? Like, I would even think about how I was going to dress. So for our listeners, I'm like five foot 11. And I frequently wear heels. I love being over six feet tall. But when I'm meeting a donor, I would try to be smaller. I wouldn't. You wouldn't wear the big heels. I wouldn't wear heels. I wouldn't. Uh, yeah. So I would be smaller, softer, gentler, kinder. Interesting. Yeah. And because it's good. I mean, I mean, I have those same experiences, right? In different situations. I have those same experiences. And every woman I've talked to about this has these experiences. What is your situation? Oh, just with my clients and, you know, opposing counsel and people who work for me. I mean, it's just, I would say for me, it's kind of smattered everywhere. Yeah. Right. Less and less as I, it's less and less as I, as I go, as I realize, gosh, it's time consuming and exhausting. and doesn't really get me very far at the end of the day. And what's interesting too, is that this is no donor or in my case, and client probably in your case has ever openly judged you for not doing those things. So the fact that I would default to these likable traits is a story I've told myself. Mm-hmm. Like that who I am is, mm-hmm. authentic, you know, the authentic self is probably not as likable as this softer, gentler, kinder me. So I'm going to put that mask on to make sure that I get the results that I need in this situation. I have a little different piece in my work too, which is that I'm sometimes opposite of people. Like I'm the other side, I'm adverse and some people don't like me, right? So I have gotten used to not being liked because that means representing my client. So I do, it's funny, even though I use likability quite a bit, I have a high tolerance for being disliked. Yeah. And I'm going to say I do too. You do too, for sure. And here's what I want you to talk about a little bit, particularly because you're in a leadership role with 50 people under you, which is what happens when leaders are too worried about likability? This is for all you acting leaders out there, all you positional leaders, non-positional leaders, wannabe leaders. I think this is a really important piece about likability. Well, it is interesting because especially for women, we are not likable and competency do not necessarily go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And we read study after study or report after report that details how women who are seen as likable are not judged as competent. Mm -hmm. And but and women who are seen as competent are then their personality traits are taken to the extreme. And they're also referred to as, you know, battle axes or ice queens. It is interesting, this whole dynamic with likability and leaders. And I found a great quote in an article called Moving Beyond Likeability, Five Principles for Women Leaders That Men Can Learn From Too, by a woman named Hannah Hart. And she kind of, you know, parrots what I just said, which is that excessive concern with being liked is also crippling for leaders. It leads to inauthenticity, saying what people want to hear rather than what's truly you. Mm -hmm. 
and playing it safe. When leaders are driven by others' regard for them, they operate in a way that their identity depends on meeting external expectations and values. You know, she admits can be effective up to a point, but it dooms them to be constantly reactive to others who, you know, basically dictate their identity. And I think that's what we were saying earlier on. Which is almost the exact opposite of leadership. Right, exactly. Following everybody else's desires for what you're supposed to be does not allow you or the organization to be what it needs to be. Yeah. Precisely. So what's the alternative? I mean, and so we've talked about how it's a rigged game and how women, I have to apologize to our listeners too, by the way, I'm so squirmy today that my chair squeaking like crazy may just be background noise to the whole show. It's percussion. It's just, it's just percussion to accentuate the important point you're making. I went on a long walk uh, yesterday, self care episode 20. And um, (laughs) (laughs) my legs are just a little bit restless. I went for a five mile run. Mine are sore. Yeah, good for you. I know, right? Whatever. Yeah, I'm just... Okay, back on topic. Okay, so what's the alternative? So we did do the spoiler alert at the beginning. That's right. And we said, okay, what do we think the alternative is to likability? What is the approach that we can try? And I want to acknowledge this is a process. Like, you're not going to turn you know, turn off the likability button tomorrow. Not at all, nor should you, I think, in some respects, depending on your circumstances. But we go back to those pieces of... Are you self-aware? Do you understand how you impact others? Are you kind? Are you professional? I mean, those are kind of these baseline behaviors. Are your behaviors a product of your own expectations for yourself Mm -hmm. or others? And really some reasonable expectations from society, like, you know, just the normal stuff. And I do mean the very basics, the chew with your mouth closed, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The, you know, appear at work in a professional, clean, hygienic way. Don't put... Fish in Don't the microwave. Push, we come back again to this again and again. The fish in the microwave. When will you people ever learn? That's right. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Just be self-aware. You know, are you maintaining the non-gender specific social norms of society of, of the workplace? I love that, and I love the way you just defined that non-gender specific social norms. Right. This isn't just what how women are supposed to behave. Let's just grab onto Mm -hmm. and emulate the things that we all agree on men Mm -hmm. and women okay and then of course this idea of being you know authentic that's what we're always searching for is being your authentic self and then being relatable right yeah okay that was the spoiler alert so let's beef those out a little bit okay beef those out there's a lot of meat (laughs) references in this are you hungry a little bit Yeah. Although my stomach is not going to grow. A lot of... (laughs) And I'm even eating way less meat than ever, and I still keep talking about it. I just love that you said meat references. That's just going to scare me through the day. I think... I don't... We have been building these out. I think we've been beefing them out (laughs) the whole whole episode. We've been spinaching these out. We have been lettucing them out. And and I just... I think now we're beating a dead cabbage. (laughs) Okay, so here is what this, so I told you about this book that I read by Alicia Mendez, and I don't think that I said the title, and I want to do that now because it's a spectacular book. It's called The Likeability Trap, How to Break Free and Succeed as You Are. And she says something that I absolutely love, and I'm going to read to you. We're going to pause because I got to dig it out. Okay, I'm going to cut it. I'm making that on purpose. I kind of want to leave that in. That's so awesome. You and your notepads. You know my notepad. Sorry, everybody. Okay. Bang your and microphone. I bang on my microphone. Throw your shit around. All right. My crap is all over the place. And this is worth it. 
I'm telling you, it's worth every bang and shuffle. <laughs> okay, here's what Alicia Mendez says. Okay, when you have to choose between likability and success, here's what she says. Choose success. Choose it every time. Because even though success is not guaranteed, it is nearly impossible to attain without striving for it. And likability is impossible to guarantee. So her kind of one of my big takeaways from her book is if you have to choose between being successful and being likable, choose success every time. Alicia also says that we just do need to care less, that we need to recognize that likability is not even about you. And here you are striving to be likable when it's not about you. It's about everybody's expectations about who you are, and you should get to choose who you are. And the stories that they tell themselves about yeah, you, right, about who right. you are. You get to have your own agency about who you are. Yeah, precisely. And it doesn't mean, you know, that we're encouraging people to be assholes. assholes. <laughs> but instead, you know, the alternative to that is that we just make sure that both women and women are rewarded for displaying the same traits. Women and women or women and men? Women and men. Both of those. And women. <laughs> <laughs> That those traits that make us good humans yes. are not necessarily thwarted on women only and men get a pass. Right. That empathy is male and female. That strength is male and female. Yes. That yeah. assertiveness is male and female. That ability and willingness to speak your mind in a way that others can hear is both women, uh, feminine and, and male. male. Feminine and masculine. <laughs> good night. We I just want to say one more thing, too. You used a word a moment ago. You used the word lovely, that men and women can be described as lovely. And I was thinking about, wow, I don't know how many men are described as lovely. And I just realized my husband I is. was just going to say. My Mr. husband Brent. is routinely, Mr. Brin is routinely described as lovely. So case in point. Yes. Women and men, and we can recognize and value these same qualities. Absolutely. And that likable gets tossed out the window because that's a bullshit expectation bullshit. that someone else puts on you and gets to tell you how to behave. And let's just get back to, yeah. Who we get to be. Yeah, who we get to be, you know, and working towards the common good and being, you know, being good humans mm -hmm. who also have opinions, who also get to be strong, who also get to be soft. Yes. You know, and I think if dudes were doing this podcast and, you know, they had it in They'd them, want that too. Well, they might be talking about the opposite, which is, right. you know, why do we always have to be, you know, strong and tough? Yeah. You know, and I, so. Well, you know what I always say, the patriarchy is just as damaging to men as women. Yeah, exactly. Anyways. And I don't know if I want to end on that because I really want to end on empowering women. So sisters. Care less. <laughs> care less about being likable. And focus on authenticity and relatability and kindness. Because you are all of those things. Oh my gosh, everybody we know who listens to this show is all of those things and more. And I think that is not just enough, but all anybody should want for crying out loud. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thanks for working, folks. Thanks for listening. Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. <laughs>